Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 256. I'm your host, Blaine Pudfang, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello, Blaine's high, so uh, it'll be an interesting show we do today. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm on some opiates at the moment. Uh, I'm post-op, and my back worked on. Uh, for those who are in the military, uh, it is true. When you get to your chiefs, they do take your spine out, so... I'm just recovering from that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so this is the first episode without Matt. Matt's deployed. He is now in Kuwait for Op Impact. Um, he's posted a couple of things online today, but unfortunately could not join us to record this episode. But he sends his best. He's also like, what, eight hours ahead of us or something like that? Or I don't know what quite time is. Yeah, he's about, uh, from here, he's about nine hours. Nine hours, yeah. So it's like in the middle of the morning, middle of the night over there. So. Yeah, well, it's Air Force. They're they're just finishing their, their uh, rave at the moment. That's true. That's true. They're, they're topless volleyball tournament. They got all the glow sticks going. Foam party. It's, it's their welcome to Kuwait party. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this episode, we're going to cover a few things. Um, clearly, we haven't been able to put a show out all week because of our busy work schedules. And me, I'm just, you know, stoned. So um, we'll talk a little bit about the draft lottery, what that could mean. And we'll just riff off of that. So let's just kick it off. Montreal won the draft lottery and now have the choice of who to pick at first overall. And Treg, who, who do you think it's going to be? Connor Geeky, Andrew Kemmel. Who do you think? I think it's going to be uh, the Moosehead guy there, uh, Jordan Demel. What's his name? Uh, Jer- uh, Dumas. Demaret? Yeah. Or, oh, You're, you're on mute, Blaine. It'll be Vitacek. Well, whoever. <laughs> it's going to be a goalie, for sure. Um, no, I mean, 
listen, no matter who you get in the top five, you're going to get a top player. You're going to get a top pairing D. You're going to get a top six forward. No matter who you pick. doesn't matter who you pick. In the, at least in the top five, maybe stretch it to the top eight. You're not going to get a generational talent. You're not going to get a right away elite superstar. You could get See, someone the, who. This is what pisses me off with this whole generational talent stuff. Every single year. Oh, it's not a good draft because there's no generational talent. Well, it's a generational talent for a reason. They only come by once in a generation. Exactly. Connor Bedard could be the next generational talent. It's looking that way. Yeah. Uh, But the one, if you go back drafts, the one before him would have been uh, Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, whoever got drafted last. Uh, I would say McDavid. I would say McDavid is the generational talent, whereas Matthews is an elite player, but not generational. Okay. All right. I, I kind of have he's Matthews. Up, he's close. He's close. Up there. I mean, 60 goals for the Leafs. I don't know what's sadder. The fact that his 60 goals is the most the Leafs ever scored in a single season, or the fact he only had hit 53 to break that record. Uh, for a team that old, for a team that's been around for over 100 years, you would have thought, uh, at least in the 80s, well, they, Rick Vaughn so, was, uh, he was scoring 52. over 50. But that's what I mean. It was 52. And then he broke the record with 53. Yeah. I'm just saying, I thought I would have assumed a Leaf would have had more than that. Or in the 90s, in the young, when you had Doug Gilmore and Anderchuk and all them guys, like you would have assumed someone would have had 55, 60 goals. Well, I mean, Gilmore, as good as he was, wasn't a 50-goal guy. He'd get you 100 points, but he wouldn't get you 50 goals. That's right. But anyway, we're, we're, we're off topic, but uh, Shane Wright to me is the, is the ahead talent. So he's the guy that's just a little bit above everyone else. And uh, the way I look at it, if they pick right and he doesn't turn out, no one can blame them for picking right. No one can look back and say, well, you picked the wrong guy. Uh, Because as of, if you look at every, go to league prospects, look at every scouting all have them as number one, every single one of them. There's not a number two or a number three on there. And uh, which uh, um, few people have pointed out. So is he a clear cut number one? I think they're going to look at uh, Savosky. I think they're going to look at uh, Nemec. I think they're going to look at uh, Cooley. Cooley would be the next guy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. If there was an option for the Canadians, I think they would, their pick is going to be between right and Cooley and Cooley I think it's right hands down but uh and 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 one of the reasons is just that simple fact if they pick right and he doesn't work out it's going to be like left for no one's going to look back at you and say oh well you made the wrong choice because you know this guy over here is doing much better no they're not going to say that because everyone knew right should have been the first pick at the time and that's the funny thing about drafts. You can look at a draft five years from then and said, oh, you should have picked Pavu Datsuk who went in the fourth round. Well, guess what? At the time, <laughs> you know, I'm going back before people were born. But uh, um, anyway, I, uh, I think they're going to pick right. I don't think it's – I think they're going to look at Cooley. And yeah. the reason – especially since the fact that Kent Hughes has coached him. He's, his son has played with him. Actually, I don't know if he's coaching, but his son has played with him. Uh, he's seen him a lot. 
but I still think Wright's the clear cut uh, number one here. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. I think um, with Cooley, he's more of the dynamic offensive style player that mm-hmm. uh, that'll wow people. They'll bring him out of their seats. He'll he'll make an incredible play. And I think at at the peak, at his absolute peak, he'll probably be. 10 15 points more a season than uh, Shane Wright but is is that worth is that small difference in points worth what you'd be giving up with Wright's uh uh strengths versus Cooley Wright's very good defensively as well so I mean in comparison to people in comparison to yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not going to say he's going to come in the NHL and be the next Patrice Bergeron right off the bat. But uh, yeah. um, but what I'm saying is Cooley doesn't have the 200-foot game that Shane Wright has. Shane Wright's more of a north-south guy, pass the puck up to the guy. So I think Wright would be an excellent center for someone like uh, Caulfield, although I think he'll be with Suzuki. Um, but I, I just think... You're right. Logan Cooley is the dynamic guy that everyone's going to be like, oh my God, did you see what he just did? And you know, this and this and that, where Wright's just going to put points. He's just going to put up points and he's just going to make good plays. He's going to make safe plays. He's going to, he's going to be the guy that's going to go in the corner. He's going to be the guy that's going to, you know, do what it takes to try to get the goal. And uh, I think that's going to be the difference. I think the difference is that Wright plays a 200 foot game better than Cooley does. Also, Wright uh, is more of a shooter. He's got the, he's got an NHL shot, so he'll probably score more goals. And he's not as much of a play driver as Cooley would be. But Wright also has that advantage of he's already got NHL size, whereas Cooley's a little bit smaller. Uh, could be seen as, I mean, when you look at the Canadians lineup, the things the three things they need. Skill, speed, and size. Cooley clearly has the skill, has the speed, but he lacks the size. Whereas uh, Wright has skill and size, and his speed is adequate at the moment, but we'll get into development here Mm -hmm. later on. But the Canadians are setting themselves up to be able to rectify any small deficiencies. Because I think at this point, Shane Wright has been the de facto number one for what, four years for this draft class. And we're at the point now where people are just looking for warts in his game. Mm-hmm. They're just picking I mean, it apart. If you think about it, the Frontenacs are what, losing to North Bay, I think, in their playoff series in the OHL. North Bay's a good team. Well, and for uh, Bettick's a very good goalie, the Montreal yeah. drafted goalie. And, uh, so far, Wright has played 10 games and has 13 points in the playoffs. Yeah. But, so I mean, in his last game, he didn't get any points. So, he, he's a he's a total bust. Well, I'm just saying, like, there are times where you can watch Wright and it looks like he's not in the game. Like, it looks like he's yeah. – however, that'll be the same game he get, ends up getting three points by the end of the game. I don't know if that's him slacking off or it's just, he's just a very laid back hockey player. Like there's hockey players that just look laid back where they don't rush things or they don't panic or they don't engage when they don't feel they need to. Um, he's cerebral in his approach. Correct. And, uh, and didn't, didn't Nick Suzuki 
face the same criticisms when he was in junior? Exactly. Uh, and I think that was maybe one of the reasons he stayed for another year, just to see if he could work on a few more things before he came to, because Suzuki didn't really need another year in the OHL. And we'll get to this again when we go on to developing, because it kind of goes to where I'm going to take that little shade rate thing. But uh, yeah. I mean, the other one, I mean, there is a, a former scout out there who's uh, a former part-time scout who's saying, uh, Soboski should be number one. I think that's a reach at number one, not a much of a reach, a little bit of a reach. And I'm only saying that because I believe a lot of his hype is based on the Olympics. Uh, If you look at his games in Finland and I don't get me wrong, I haven't seen them all. I've seen mostly highlights. I see mostly uh, things and stuff I've read from uh, some of the, uh, the uh, European scouts uh, like Patrick uh, Brexel, uh, Brexel. Brexel? Yeah. Brexel and guys like that. Uh, and he's a, he's a modified top three draft, but he'll go in the top three. However, I mean, in Finland, he's been okay. He hasn't uh, dominated in Finland. Like he did the, the Olympics. Uh, he's hasn't looked out of place, which is a good thing. Uh, he, he's kept the pace. He's uh, playing with men. He's playing with, I mean, the Finnish elite league is the AHL, SHL, KHL, whatever you want, wherever you want to rank it. It's in that uh, top five yeah. men's leagues in the world. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's up there, but it's yeah. not a, I wouldn't put it with the KHL, AHL or SHL. I put all those leagues above it. No, not yet. No. Um, but he hasn't looked out of place. He hasn't looked terrible. He's not, lost but he's not uh he's not putting up a whole ton of points either uh so i don't know what to you know like you know what i mean like it, yeah. at least at least he's putting up points against men where the other two are not um but at the same time uh you look at and i'm not going to i'm not going to denigrate his production at in liga nope. because nope. he's not given as much ice time but it, it, correct yeah and i'm not again i'm not but um, yeah. it, it, when you compare uh, NCAA and juniors, uh, is CHL, to the competition that Slavoski is up against right now, uh, let's let's say as he's as we speak now, they're in the World Championships, mm-hmm. and he played France. Now I know that France is a national program, and technically they should be better than a, a an average CHL club. But they're only in this tournament right now because Belarus and Russia were taken out. So I don't think it's that big of a stretch to say that they're comparable. Who's comparable? Uh, the, the, the level of talent between, uh, you know, a decent uh, OHL club and team, uh, team France. Oh, no, no, not at all. No, not at all. Now, using that as a comparison, I mean... Slavoski, he, he got two points in that first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an incredible Olympics against similar level talent. I mean, he's already NHL size, 6'4", 220-ish. But I think that's what people look at by saying, oh, he should be drafted high, he's NHL ready. It's his size. But okay, he's His big. style of play too. Yeah, but if you look at the smaller ice... He only really did it in the Olympics. So 
is he ready to play full time on that smaller ice? That's what you got to. Uh, Wait, there's going to be an I adjustment. Think, I think he'll succeed. I think he'll he'll be a top six forward. He's going to be a top six forward in the NHL, guaranteed. Probably I think a top he's going to end up being. Yeah, he's going to be a top. He's line probably going to top line. He's probably going to be one of the better scores scores from this draft class. Don't Maybe. get me wrong. Yeah. But to go and get him at number one with Cooley and Wright right there, I don't think – I think it's – I that's where I think it's the stretch. I don't think it's a stretch that we're going after a Cotton Yemi from 2018. You know what I mean? Like where yeah. it's a stretch where he's not – he's a number three pick, maybe number two, maybe, but he's not a number one pick in this draft. Yeah, and the the way I'm looking at it – and you're right, he's not that far off. But and No. When I look at it, when you're drafting and you're you're debating on, do I pick this guy or that guy? You look at you look at the position they play, and the value for a centerman is much higher than a winger. So if they're about equal, you lean towards a center. If this was, if the debate was Wright or Nemich, let's say Nemich was like a uh, a Hedman clone and Wright is uh, you know a McDavid clone. Like you're, you're looking at two franchise altering players, but what position are they playing? Like, which one do you give more weight to? That's a bigger debate in this case here with everything being equal, right's the center. Yeah. And, and, and same with Cooley. Cooley is also a center. So, and again, not taking anything away from, uh, not taking anything away from, uh, uh, Slavkovsky because he's going to be an excellent NHLer. But if he does go three in Arizona, they're going to love him. Love exactly. Him. All 12 people there. Is he going to make it the NHL next year? Maybe. Could. Maybe. Could. Could. But uh, I mean, we're going to get to who makes it to the NHL and who doesn't later on. But uh, um, I don't know. Like, I know some, there's a certain person on Twitter who's pushing for. Uh, uh, Slavovsky to go number one and I see and where fine. they're coming from and that's fine and I see where they're coming from I get it but I just don't see the evidence that puts him above the other two except yeah. for the fact that he's NHL ready now while he's NHL size ready now he's already playing with men he's already ahead of the other two in certain aspects of his game but that doesn't mean it's going to translate to a successful NHL season. But in five years time, which one's going to be the better player? I mean, sure. Next year, he might be the better player next year, but five years down the road, you got to project that way. And is he really going to be the better player than right in five years? And I, I seriously doubt that. I don't think he's going to be better than Cooley in five years. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying, that's why I'm saying at one, he's a stretch, not that he's a stretch to be in the top five or top three at one. If you pick him at one and not right or coolly, and he doesn't succeed, you're, you're going to lose your job as a general manager. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That could be uh, well, I don't know about lose your job, but well, you're, you're going to, it's going to be a knock. It's going to be a knock against you as general manager. A big one. Yeah. And with Hughes just starting out, this is a key moment in his his, his tenure. Now, if you pick Shane Wright at number one 
and he doesn't succeed, well, you went with the right guy. He just didn't turn out to be the right guy. Yeah. And, and I, I think that the floor, the f- so you're looking at, we're talking about top end potential, but if yeah. you look at the, uh, the three of them and you look at their, their baseline, the floor of what they're going to provide or what they're expected to provide, right. is just slightly above again. Cause he, mm-hmm. if he doesn't make it as a one C he's looked at he's as a, a two C two C. And I think he'll start in Montreal as a two C to be honest with you. Well, we'll get into where if, he starts. If, and... if, we'll get into that, but if he goes to Montreal, same. Yeah. But I mean, you got to look at it too. Cooley is not playing in the NHL next year for sure. He's 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 playing another year. And he's already said he's going to play another year of the NCAA. Yeah. Um, and then we'll get into the rest later. But in the end, <laughs> whether if you don't pick right and the player doesn't succeed, it looks bad. If you pick right, he doesn't succeed doesn't look as bad because at the time he was the consensus number one by everybody. So basically if he doesn't succeed, everyone is wrong, not just the GM. Which brings me to ask you something that seems absolutely ridiculous when I heard it. And I still believe it is, but Jeff Merrick asked the question with this big debate going on and the Canadians, should they trade back? If Arizona offers them a first this year, their third overall, and a first next year, which is a shot at Bedard, which makes no sense. But let's imagine that Bill Armstrong got hammered one night and made that offer. Do you do it? I would just for the first next year. You have two chances of getting Bedard. And you go three. And you go three, so you're still getting a one of the better players of the draft. Which is exactly why it's never going to happen. And, well, it's not going to happen because Arizona's not going to trade that pick no. because Arizona would be stupid to trade that pick. Um, I see where Merrick's going with that and the way he worded it and the way he said it made it so like, well, yeah, who wouldn't take that deal? And who wouldn't? You have a double chance because Montreal's probably not going to be a great next year depending on whether Carey Price comes back or not, which I don't think he... Even, he, even if he, he does, does, I still think they're they're picking in the top 10. Yes, but if they doesn't, they're probably picking in the top five again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so say you make that trade and you pick up Slavosky or Nemec or maybe Cooley goes third. I doubt it, but maybe Cooley goes third. You still got a good player. You still got a player, you know, Cooley's not... Say they somehow get Cooley. Cooley's not playing next year because you know he's in the NCAA. So he's not helping the team. So now you've got, say, Montreal finishes fifth last. Arizona finishes dead last. Well, now you've got two chances because you have the dead last pick and the fifth pick plus the four teams that 12, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, five teams that aren't picking. So now you have over a 30% chance of getting the top pick. Yes, I'm going to take a 30% chance to get Connor Bernard any day. Any day. Actually, you probably got more because you have the fifth, because the fifth guy could move up and you got the first pick. So you probably got almost a 50% chance to get the top pick. So yes, I would make that trade in a heartbeat. It's not going to happen because Bill Armstrong's not an idiot, but I would make that trade in in a heartbeat. That's yeah. the only way I would make that trade. 
only if Arizona came to me and said, or if I said, Hey, we'll give you Shea Weber for your first pick. And Armstrong's like, Oh, it sounds like a great idea. (laughs) And then I'd be walking to Ken Hughes. I'd be putting on the sunglasses with the big joint, my uh, joint, my mouth walking away like a boss. But because I think Merrick brought up that point because it's being hosted in Montreal and he's thinking about the showmanship value of the draft itself, Yeah, which is, yeah, it's going to be there. There's going to be some of that. There's there's hype around it. Fans are excited because it's the first pick, but Hughes is not going to make a deal based on showmanship. Like it, you're you're trying to build a team. You're yeah. not like yes, they're they're enter they're they want to entertain, but he's trying to build a freaking team that can win. But you're not entertaining at the draft. You're entertaining at the games you play. All, all exactly that's you want to enter if he wants to entertain at the draft they can you know hire some clowns however if armstrong gave gives you that deal you take, take it. it yeah you take it you take it and you run now we talked a little bit about uh development but i want to talk more about what you mentioned with uh with shane Wright and where he would play if he were picked which he's likely going to be picked and you say 2C. Well, first I say, are we talking next year? Are we talking yeah. he gets drafted and where is he in September? Yeah. I honestly have no issue with Shane Wright actually playing another year of the OHL if he gets drafted. Um, the issue I have is I just don't know where he's at in his game right now. So for me to say now in May – Yes, he should go to the OHL, or no, no, he should go to the NHL. It's like I asked Marco, who was on our last show there, the same question. He said, I'll have to evaluate him in September. Let's see how his offseason goes and see what he works on, what he trains on, and how much better he gets at whatever he – I would say his speed is something that he should really Yeah, his skating his, is yeah, definitely skating. something that – Yeah. So if that improves, and then he comes into camp and blows the socks off everyone at camp, he gets at least nine games, at least nine games. I think he, he gets the nine games no matter what. I was just going to get there. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he gets, we talked about this before. I think he gets the nine games no matter what. However, I'm not going to be upset if he goes to OHL. OHL for no. it, worked, it worked for Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki came in and had a great camp his first year. Didn't blow anyone's socks off, but he didn't look out of place. He didn't look, uh, he was one of the last cuts. And he went back to the OHL because he needed some things in his game to work on. I have no issue doing the same thing with Shane Wright. And when you say, do you think he'll be, I think he'll start off as a 2C in Montreal. I don't think, and this goes back to what you always say, don't play a player at a position just because you want to put him in there and work his way up. If you want this guy to come in and be a top center in the NHL, give him the top center spot or give him a sheltered spot close to where yeah. he should be. Play him, uh, in the like, role. play him in the roles. Like for instance, Ryan Paling, I think he's going to be a four C or a winger. They played him all last year, four C. They had Jake Evans there. They could have flip flopped them and they didn't with Dvorak there. If you're throwing Shane's right at two C Dvorak's going to be your three C. And really, if you think about it, they're going to be pretty deep at C because now you got Evans and Paling battling over that 4C spot. Maybe you move Paling and get something for him. 
yeah, there's the big debate on who's going to play on Suzuki's wing with Caulfield. Paling's a big body who can keep up. And I thought, he, I thought Paling had a hell of a second half of the season under Martin St. Louis. I thought he had a good season all year, but I think yeah. he had a, 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 he was even, well, everybody was better under Martin St. Louis, but I thought he was one of the guys that really improved his game. 200 foot game. His, his, he used his body. He battled in the corners. He didn't always get the points, but he, he won his battles and he, 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 was, he, he freed up the ice for the other players on his line. And, and back to right. Um, they're going to audition him in those roles. If he walks in and he is clearly ready for that role, he, he doesn't need any more sheltering, then keep him. But if, if he's showing any kinds of deficiencies or <clears throat> there, there's, there's something missing, absolutely just send him back down to the OHL because he missed an entire year of development. And, and, and that's another point I was going to bring up was you have to think too, he missed he missed a whole year of the OHL and he was injured part of the year, his first year in the OHL. So, you know, that like someone asked me, yeah, but look how well he's doing. I said, well, is he doing this well because he's that improved or is he doing this well because everyone missed a whole year of hockey and maybe the league's just not as good as what it was because everyone missed that whole year of hockey. There's a whole year of development that every OHL player missed. Maybe that set a lot of people back. Therefore, he looks really good because these guys went back a step. A bunch of guys went back a step. That's that's kind of pulling, kind of reaching at straws. But well, I think I think that whole missing year from the pandemic that happened across Hockey Canada is going to hurt players from 13 years of age and up. Exactly. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, I just think, uh, do I think Shane Wright's NHL ready? Borderline. It's borderline. I'd have to, like Marco said in our conversation on Twitter, uh, this was a DM conversation we had. He said, I'd have to wait to see what he looks like in September. Like he just can't, but because he's going to the OHL doesn't mean he's a bust. No. Suzuki, Suzuki went to the OHL for an extra year and actually benefited because he came into the NHL better rounded player. Uh, if that can be the same for Shane Wright. And I had one guy tell me right now that Shane Wright, as of right now, is the best center on the Montreal Canadiens if they draft him right now. And only an idiot would think that he shouldn't be on the team. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's not right. But uh, Well, it is right. <laughs> but, I mean, he just said, oh, he's dominating at this age level. So I just said, all right, so you have a 13-year-old with the same skill set as Shane Wright, he's dominating his 13, what's that, Pee-wee 13? Yeah. He's dominating Pee-wee. Should he be in the OHL right now? Well, he's he's dominating Pee-wee, and he has the same skill set as Shane Wright. Why can't he be in the OHL? Should be in the OHL. He's just as good as Shane Wright at the Pee-wee yeah. level. That's my point. You can't look at his level because he's dominating, say he's better than this guy who's playing at the highest level. He could be. He could walk in and be better than everyone else. I don't know. I doubt it. But I think the Canadians, though, are right, and the Canadians are set up in a no-fail situation because they don't need him to step in to make a difference so they can win something. They don't need him to step in to sell tickets. Not they just, year. yeah, they just need to see where he's at, 
and develop him properly. The Canadians can lose the whole season again next year. And the fan base seems ready for what's actually the first ever rebuild in Montreal Canadiens history. Although the word rebuild's never been used by Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Yeah. See, here, here's the thing with the rebuild, if we want to get into that a little bit. It all balances on Carey Price. If Carey Price plays, you can't really have a proper rebuild because you're not going to finish low enough in the standings, in my, in my opinion. Carey Price is always going to give you that X factor that you could win any game, right? Uh, I have my doubts he's going to play, but... I mean, if you're stuck with Allen and Montembeau or Montembeau and goalie of the day, um, then yes, you're in a rebuild mode, right? Because Montembeau is not going to win you enough games to put you in. The, and I, I understand what you're saying. Even with Price, you're probably going to be drafting top 10. But still, if you're drafting top 10 or top 15, you know what I mean? That's not you're, – you're, you got to get the top three, top five picks – in order to have a proper rebuild done consistently for two to three years. Well, nowadays it it can be two years, but. Yeah. 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 It won't be a five-year thing like people normally say, but it's still not going to be one and done. Like the, the issue with Price's health and the uncertainty around there, I think is what's kind of pushing Hughes into this corner where he's forced to do this. And honestly, I think it's going to end up being the better long-term option for the Canadians. I don't know if he's forced to, because I think he had a, I think his plan all along was to be like, all right, let's be shitty for a couple of years and really. Well, he, he can't go into the UFA market and sign anyone. He's got $10.5 million he's got to worry well, about. Well, I was like, you're, you're hitting all my things before. You're stealing my thunder, <laughs> I was going to say the problem with what he's doing now is he doesn't have the cap space to really do anything until he gives up some money. And again, Carey Price hurts that. Is he healthy? Because if he's healthy and he can give up cap, he can go out to the UFA market, like they said earlier, and say we're going to be trying to get we're going to try to get people in the UFA and make this team a better team. And I think the reason they're saying that is because they have Carey Price. They can't if you have Carey Price, then you're kind of yeah, you're either all in. We got to go and try to be all in, or we got to at least make the playoffs, right? And if you don't have Carey Price, you only have Carey Price for a quarter of the season. You don't need to do that. You can sit there and go, "Well, let's do what we can do." You know what I mean? Hope for the best. And if we finish low, we f- it's great. If we don't. Because you don't want to finish the middle of the pack. You don't want to miss the playoffs and have that 10 to 16 pick. Because you're not going to have a Caulfield drop in your lap every time. No, you're not. And he was a bust, so it doesn't really matter. Total bust. Total bust. He just let all rookies and goals. But (laughs) the the cap is another reason why I think putting Shane Wright back in the OHL is a good idea. Because he has the ELC slide. So he can sign his deal but it doesn't have to start until the following year. So you have an extra year with him on your payroll or on your development plan. And look what happened with bunting. I say we put him into the OHL, let him play in the ECHL for a couple of years, let him play in the AHL for a couple of years, bring him up every once in a while. 
Then when he hits 26, boom, let him go. Instant stir. Calder guaranteed. Guaranteed. It comes with a rocking chair. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, bunting falls under all the rules to be a rookie. So there you go. Yeah, sure does. Um, All right. So development. Um, This is where the Kent Hughes rebuild plan with uh, Jeff Gorton, obviously, um, really takes a gigantic divergence from Bergevin's plan. Bergevin didn't have an analytics crew. He, they hired contractors from time to time. Their development staff was three guys. Uh, they didn't have any specialized coaches. So Hughes and Gorton have gone out and they've signed Adam Nicholas to head the development program. Uh, and Nicholas is, uh, he's an innovator when it comes to certain skating techniques, which is really going to be helpful for a team that wants to build its, its base on speed and skill. Um, and then today, uh, it's 13 May, uh, they went out and uh, hired, uh, Christopher Boucher, formerly of sport logic IQ and the San Jose sharks to head their analytics department. This is going to have a very far-reaching effect on the Canadians because for them, analytics is going to be just information that they're going to use in different ways, you know, like towards development, towards the NHL team, towards how to improve individual players. And uh, like it's like they said when they talked about analytics, they don't want to use analytics just to sit there and say, oh, this guy scores five goals per 60. We need to put him in there. want to look at analytics and say, why is his game suffering here? Let's look at the analytics. Let's look at the eye test and figure out between the two of them what we can do to fix it, which is how you're supposed to, in my opinion, that's how you use analytics. You take the eye test, you take analytics, and you take your, your basic stats and you use all three of them to make a better player. And uh, so I, I often argue with analytic people because all they use is analytics. That's it. They don't they don't care about the eye. Like Ben Sherrod sucks. Well, no, Ben Sherrod sucks analytically. But if you look at the eye test, the reason he's such a big commodity is because he does this, 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 and this, which you can't see on a spreadsheet. Um, but if you can get a player where you can use all three, to make him a better player. So he has fairly good analytics. He has passes the eye test. He's going to get the basic stats. And, and, that, yeah. and that's what that's what they're looking at doing, which to me, I think is innovative because Bergevin would never have done that. Bergevin no, would no. go out. He's big and he can hit. He's my defenseman. Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> like if they look at it and they say, okay, well, the expected goals for, uh, for this, for player X is five. Well, why is it that level? Is that is that good enough for what they want? Right. Uh, what what development plan could they put in place? What can they what skill could they work on to improve that to make him better? That's that's the way they're going to be right. approaching this. And that, I, to me, that's next level stuff because I don't know. I'm pretty sure other teams probably have thought of this. Other but... teams are doing this. That's why yeah. it's extremely important the Canadians play catch up now 
And I, I think that's what's hampered Bergevin's team. Like, though, I mean, you know, I was a, I like Bergevin as a, as a GM. Hey, I didn't brought the team to a Stanley Cup final. Uh, and all those rookies that you're looking at right now, all these prospects that you're looking at right now that are killing the queue and Gooley and everyone else was drafted by Bergevin. Anyway, and Timmons. Um, but uh, if they're going to take and, and let's talk about those guys, you're going to take guys like Riley Kidney and uh, Trudeau and uh, Gooley and Mysack and uh, Mayu and uh, Wa and uh, all these guys are, are uh, Jack Eye is another guy. You look how they're succeeding now, right? And in their respective leagues, then you're going to bring them in because I believe Jack Eye Gooley maybe Wah and a few will probably might even be in Laval next year. Meshach uh, as well. Meshach. Yeah. Oh, Meshach, Meshach, Jack, I, and Gouli for sure will be in Laval next year. Um, I'm not sure of a Wah kidney. I, I don't know if they have. No, they're either. either NHL or back to junior. Yeah. Cause they're still 18 or, or, or yeah. they'll still be 18 with it. Yeah. So they'll probably, st- I think they'll stay in junior for another year. Um, who knows? Wah could come into camp and, blow the socks off everyone and get a, yeah. get a spot. Um, but if you use this development thing that they're going to use, just think how much better these guys are going to be when they get to where uh, Montreal wants them. And this is why I have no issue with guys going to Gooley and them going to the AHL and not playing in the NHL. Give them experience. If they're dominating the AHL, bring them up. There's no rush. That's the thing. No. There is just that, no and, rush. And, and that's just, and that's what I think is wrong with today's like back in the eighties and nineties when we were younger, that's how it worked. And, and Montreal, you, you went to the, I mean, in the eighties, you went to the Voyagers and the nineties, you went to Fredericton or Sherbrooke or wherever, uh, wherever they were in the two thousands, you went to St. John's or Hamilton. That's how it worked. You, you, you graduated from your junior team or whatever team you were playing for. You played for the AHL, right? Unless in 1986, they had nobody. So you brought in your Shane Corsons and your, and your Richets and your Chelioses because you had to, to put them in. And plus they succeeded. Um, yeah. They, they, yeah. they won a, what did they win that year? Oh, it's Stanley cup. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. big silver trophy. I thought it was the Cam- the way the Campbell's Conference Trophy. No, that was last year. Oh, the Wales Trophy. That's that's what they won. Oh, that. Too. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, they won that too. <laughs> um, but that's how that's just how it went back then because you didn't rush people into the NHL. You made sure they were ready to come up. Nowadays, it just seems like if you're picked in the first round, everyone's expecting you to be an NHL ready player, and yeah. uh, especially if it's top five. And it doesn't always have like I think Lafreniere could have used another year in uh, in the minors, personally. Well, he was a he was in that age group where it's either play in junior or play NHL. There was yeah. no ability to go to the AHL. But he he, I think in the OHL he would have been all right in the OHL to play another. The Q, or, sorry, the, the Q yeah. the Q yeah. to play another year. I, I think he would have been fine. But the the thing was the Rangers were a little bit more, uh, a little bit less patient. Hmm. And, and that's where that becomes important. Patience is important. And I think kind of taking that old Detroit model of letting your, your prospects mature a little bit before you bring them in would pay off, especially with the new analytics and development uh, 
path that they're starting, I think you can fix a few little little minor things in their game, which could then have a massive impact when they finally do step in. I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent. If you're ready, you're ready. So, yeah. I mean, and that's why I have no issue. Like, uh, going back to LaFrent, if they would have gave him his nine games and he did what he did, got nothing in nine his first, what, 20 games? I don't think he did much of anything. Mm-hmm. But if they should have known after his ninth game that, wait a minute, I don't think he's ready for this, send him back down. And that's what I think they should do with Wright. Uh, give him his nine games. If he gets five points in the nine games and he doesn't look out of place and he doesn't, you know what I mean? Keep him. If he now, looks out of place, if he if he doesn't yeah. look like he didn't send him to the OHL. Part, another reason why Lafreniere stayed where he was with the Rangers was the pandemic. Oh, The queue yeah. kept getting shut down over and over. Yeah. So they needed something for him to play in. So it wasn't, it was an imperfect solution. And he would only gotten what, five to 10 games in the AHL? Yeah. If he got to go there. So yeah. I, I, I pick, I use him as an example, Yeah, but he, he was in a bad spot. The Rangers and him were in a bad spot. And I mean, who would have thought he wouldn't have succeeded in his first 20 games in the NHL? He was a clear cut number one and he had the size and he had the skill to be in the NHL. Uh, and if you look at him now, I think he's going to be one of their better players. I mean, he's 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 slowly uh, improving all the time. So two years from now, I think he's going to be their premier player. He, I think he's going to be like Huberto. Huberto took what four or five years before yeah. he really came around in the NHL, and that's okay. That, that's all McKinnon. Right. Yeah, and, and again, that's okay. Um, Drysidle. He took two or three years before he really uh, matured in the NHL. I'm not saying Shane Wright or anyone like that's going to be like that, but uh, you have to uh, patience. Nobody has patience anymore for prospects. They, they either want them to succeed immediately or uh, they just give up on them. And, that, that's and this is the difference between a generational talent right. and a very good first line kind of yeah. player. A general age town is going to succeed immediately. Yeah. Immediately. They're so rare. They're yeah. generational. They're only once a generation. So yeah, they'll just step in and be stars. Whereas guys like Wright are going to take a few years before they reach their potential to be first line, you know, occasional all-stars that, that level of player. Um, Nick Suzuki is probably one of those. Cole Caulfield is another one of those. Yeah. Uh, you know, Montreal has the talent that in two or three seasons we should be building around them to make a contender. Yeah. I said that exactly. also a few years ago and that didn't really work out, but we did go to a Stanley cup in the year. I said they would be a contender, but they weren't. Necessarily Which technically makes you a contender. <laughs> but they weren't necessarily a contender, but they did go to the cup in the year. I said they'd be a contender. Just throw that out there for people who uh, keep saying, I said, and at, by this year, they should be a contender. Just, just saying, I wasn't technically wrong. Well, I mean, so you just snuck into the playoffs. What you do in the playoffs is what matters more. Urgevin said, you have players that get you there, and you have players that get you through. He just he just had all players that get you through the playoffs. He, he, he wasn't – you didn't know he was going to make it, but he had the players there if they did. Yeah. <laughs> like, how many teams put up banners for regular season – division titles uh, Nashville 
Yeah, I mean, other than them. Not even Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> Toronto's going to put up a banner if they win tomorrow night. One uh, first round. Yeah. Did you know that... <laughs> They win the first round. They can stop paying bait. They can stop paying child support too because it's eighteen years. So uh... <laughs> unless they go to college, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Unless they stay in school, and they're screwed. Now, yeah, but I mean, it's about the playoffs. So if you, we can't crap on Bergevin because he actually made a cup final. They got there. They, they lost, but they got there. Now, the whole goal now is instead of doing a one and done, Hughes is trying to get a team that could, you know, hover around that Eastern Conference final every other year, make a final here and there, and maybe win he's, in that. He's, that he's trying to make a team that can contend so that every year they're in the league, they're like, these are your top five teams that could win the cup and Montreal's one. Similar to Washington. Colorado, Toronto, the last Vegas. few years, Vegas, uh, Boston, I guess. Um, Technically, yeah. yeah. I mean, Boston uh, has been hanging around for about 10 years now. You know, these teams where you look at them and go, man, that team's going to be hard to beat. You know what I mean? Like that that team yeah. could win the cup. With the right move, uh, they could do something or they could Under win. Bergevin, Montreal was never really that team. They were that, they've won a few divisions. They, they had a few hundred point seasons. But the, you never looked at them and went, well, you looked at it and went, well, they have Carey Price. Anything can happen. They were a dark horse. But you don't want to look at the team and say, oh, well, they got that player. Anything can happen. You want to look at the team and go, man, this is a good team. With that player, whew, they're almost unstoppable. Yeah. That, that, that's what you got to look at. And unfortunately, I don't think Carey Price is going to be there when they uh, become that contender team. So. No, I don't think he will either. But at the very least, the uh, the experience that they they got in that playoff run last year is going to serve the next generation of Montreal Canadiens well. Yeah. Caulfield, Suzuki, Romanov, even though he didn't play a lot, they were there. They got to see what it took. And that's all thanks to Carey Price and Shea mm-hmm. Weber. So Sherrod, Joel Edmondson. That's Jack right. Petrie. So the torch is being passed on as we speak. Um, so we, we covered we covered who we think is going, you know, first overall. Uh, we talked a little bit about development. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? It's going to be Ken Hughes' son. He's picking him first overall. No, he flat out said not going to happen. Yeah, that's what he said. He, yeah. also, flat out, he also flat out said they wouldn't hire, fire Dom Ducharme. That's true. That's a good point. So that's an Okay, that's the dark horse pick is Jack, uh, Jack Hughes. Hughes and he's a Hughes would it be kind of funny if he did pick him with that second first round pick (laughs) he could pick him in the fifth sixth round I mean I don't know where he's supposed to go third or fourth round maybe late first early second is he is he that high yeah yeah he could pick him he could pick him with the 33rd pick Ah, see I wouldn't I would try and look for someone who's sliding that that could be a home run type of pick, you know, that boom or bust kind of player. Do you think they package the 27th? Cause that's what it is right now. And the 33rd to move up in the draft. Well, it, that depends. Uh, how far up are they moving up? Do you think they could get a top 10 pick with those two picks? 
they'd probably have to add something else. Like a Joel Armia. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen him so far in the world? He's I, I would, in corners like crazy. I don't know. I would think a prospect, uh, like a Jade Struble level prospect. How about a Ryan Palin? Possibly. Depends on the team that they're trading with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm just, well, I don't think they will, but I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they could package those two and get maybe, like, say, Nimic or uh, Yerick is still available or one of the defensemen is still available. Maybe you'd probably have play. to trade into the top six. Yeah, true. When you can just pick Chesley at the end of the near the the second half, of the you know like twenty five and on. Mm. Now he's obviously not as good, but is he that much less of a player that you're willing to give up all the other assets? I I don't mm. know, especially that thirty third pick because that's a very that's a key pick in the draft. I, I I'm I'm just looking at the the lack of right handed defenseman now that I think Josh yeah. Brook is going to be kind of out of the organization um judging by the fact he wasn't even put on the black aces for the uh, laval rocket no um, he'll get he'll get re-signed and kept but i think that his days are numbered i i've been saying that since he got put down to the ECH. injuries it's all injuries, injuries. and he, he kind of did slide back a bit before he got injured last year but anyway uh moving on from that uh I would, because of that, do you think uh, Logan Mayu gets a uh, contract next season? Um, well, they have to sign him before the 2023 draft or they get a compensation pick. That's why they're not going to, uh, they're not going to just relinquish the, the player. If they don't sign him, they get a second round pick at about, 60th um so i don't know it it depends on how he does not on the ice but off the ice with with the plan that they're following if he's doing well with that then yeah yeah i can see him getting a contract everything points to him doing well with that so far he's still got into i would think if they were to sign him based on the fact that he barely played at all this year i would think they would have they would probably wait until like march of next year they'll see a full season of him in, with the london yeah. dates before that yeah and i truly believe if he plays like he did when he played the few games he does they, they can't not sign him personally personally Sorry. yeah anyway, that's all i had just some things i had on my mind that i want to ask you blaine the oh. the the expert the the hockey writer guy Montreal Stone. <laughs> uh, this this Delotted is amazing. I gotta say, sure it is. Uh, all I right, so I don't take any drugs but vitamins. So, and you say your prayers, brother. I say my prayers. Eat my vitamins, brother. <laughs> These sixteen-inch pythons, sixteen and a half now. <laughs> <Not on you. laughs> were you measuring from the floor no i measure every friday every friday morning i gotta do my measurements 16 and a half. Oh, 16 and a half. okay all right what did you thought i say 16 I, yeah i heard 16 no, 16 <laughs> no. I'm like on. what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> no, my, ch- 
my chest is only 49. So <laughs> if my biceps were 60, woo, woo. Monster. Mm. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, don't forget Lift Off Apparel, our new sponsor. Uh, unfiltered is the uh, code if you want to buy excellent workout uh, stuff. I do have some things we can do for a contest, uh, but they're for women. So we'll have to figure something out there. And then uh, maybe the next show, which hopefully will be in a couple of weeks. Uh, well, Blaine will do one on next show I'm on. Hopefully in a, in a couple of weeks, we can, uh, we can uh, give out a contest for the ladies that listen. I think we have two or three. Our moms, at least. So, yeah. Um, for me, I just want to point everyone to habsandfilter.net. We have, a, we have other sponsors with plenty of codes you can, for savings, some great products, uh, specifically Seat Giant. I want to mention them in this episode. Uh, you go to seatgiant.ca, use the code unfiltered20 and save yourself 35% on your purchasing fees. Uh, if you're buying tickets to, say, a Game 7 or the NHL Draft or baseball basketball whatever sport whatever concert you're looking to do now that we're able to have these things unfiltered 20 at seatgiant.ca save yourself 35 percent on your purchasing fees um and that's it for me so i just want to say thank you to everyone for listening and remember if you were talking about it so are we to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.